Hey, Maintenance Disruptors. Welcome back to another episode of Maintenance Disrupted. What if, what if there was a better way to find your spare parts? For any of you that are in the field, you might be listening to this right now and you're going, what the heck is this part? Right? We're not talking about those parts you use every day. You go to the storeroom, you check out filters, things like that, that you're, you know. But what about when you take a piece of equipment apart and you go, huh, what is that? Where do I find that? That's what this podcast is about. We have partnered with Partium.io to give you a special podcast on how to find spare parts up to 50 times faster. This is in conjunction with a webinar um, that we're doing in conjunction with Partium that I highly recommend you look at. If you have anything to do with spare parts, if you're a user of spare parts, if you put spare parts in the stock room, this is a must podcast for you. Because Steve and I aren't exactly spare parts experts, we partnered with James Kovacek. You might have heard of him, the Rooted in Reliability podcast. He is one of the experts that Steve and I go to for um, spare parts for warehouse work order management piece of it. And he chimes in to look at this solution from Partium.io on how to find spare parts up to 50 times faster and as you think about this you're saying do i really care about spare parts james throws out a stat in here on average 20 to 30 percent of a technician's time is identifying and looking for spare parts that number is staggering and if we can save a little bit of that time think about what that will do for your maintenance technicians i hope you enjoy this podcast Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Maintenance Disrupted. I'm your host, Steve Doby, and I'm co-hosting today with Blair. And as always, when we've got Blair and me on the show, we've got a, a special episode. And so this week we were welcoming Partium and uh, to talk about their their platform and their AI to help us improve our spare parts processes. Um, also joining us today, we've got James Kovacevic uh, from the Rooted in Reliability podcast. Thanks for joining us, James. And to kick things off, I'll get Philip Deskovich from Partium to introduce himself and what Partium does. Thank you, Steve. Hi, everybody. Nice to meet you, uh, Blair and James. Um, so, yeah, my name is Philip Deskovich and uh, the CEO of Partium. We're a uh, uh, Philadelphia-based uh, company. We are, um, you, as you can hear from my accent, maybe I'm from Europe. So we we have a larger entity also in Europe, and, and that's where I come from. And uh, what Podium does is um, pretty. I think it, it's pretty simple. Uh, we have uh, developed a technology that allows typically maintenance technicians. Uh, customer service agents, uh, service uh, repair teams, and so on to uh, identify parts, typically spare parts in larger industrial environments, infrastructures, um, very quickly by instead of going through, you know, whatever databases they have in SAP systems by just uh, taking out their mobile phone, uh, sn typically snapping a picture of the part, be it in the, in the machine or outside, and then maybe getting a couple of additional AI-based questions about the part, and then they have the, 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 the ID of the part, and then they do whatever they want to do with it. So this could be that then they you know, order it or they 
um, access documentation or they want to you know just log some activity they did with the part or something like that so but podium is about the enterprise part search if you want yeah well, that's super cool and i'm really excited to dive a little more deeply into that um today i also asked james to join us because james is somebody that i've gone to repeatedly in the past whenever i have a question on uh, spare parts warehousing and that stuff he is definitely one of the most knowledgeable people in the maintenance reliability field in this area so uh thanks for joining us today james do you want to give just a quick introduction of yourself yeah thanks for having me uh so everyone my name is james kovacic i'm sure many of you heard me on the rooted and reliability podcast as well um and that's it it's you know been involved in maintenance and reliability for going on 20 some years now uh, a lot of time in storerooms and work work management and happy to be here to uh, add to the conversation. Excellent. Um, so to jump in, you, you talked a little bit about Partium and what it does there, but how does it work, Philip? What is the oh, what is the technicians or what do the people have to do? What's the kind of end use of of it without diving right into the technology yet. Typical, <clears throat> the typical end user, as I said, is a is someone who has to maintain or repair something typically in a larger industrial environment. So, to give you some examples, we have um, uh, you know larger customers in the railroad area, so where they maintain and repair trains. Or um, actually, the the first customer for whom we developed the core technology originally is a is Bosch, the automotive company, the German one, and and they have large manufacturing sites, as you can imagine, and they um, they have maintenance teams there uh, to to just keep everything up and running in the production, and um, and those uh, men and women are are well trained experts actually in what they do, but um, the sheer amount of uh, the, the sheer size and number of parts that are you know in in such a production environment is huge and um so they have they struggle to find part the, the right part uh, like the part id basically uh, quite often when they have to repair something so the typical situation is you go somewhere you're maybe repairing a train you uh you you have a work order i don't know it's in the uh air conditioning is broken and you have to repair it right so you know what you're doing it's not like you're someone who has no clue at all or so but then uh, you get to this point where, where there is this part and it's uh, broken and maybe there's a new train type or the the the, um, the vendor of the train changed the component over time you know so uh, you you don't know exactly the the spare part id that you would look for in your warehouse and so on and uh, what the what podium allows um, this uh, this person then to do is actually instead of I don't know either searching forever in the warehouse or going somewhere where you have access to some kind of ERP system or enterprise asset management system and then to try to find that part where you typically have um, bad naming where you have issues finding it and everything this person can uh, pull out his uh, whatever mobile device he has with him um and uh and can snap a picture of the part or the environment where the part is built in and then uh, get the uh get the id of the part and then also and then from there access additional information again as i said 
um, depending on the task then. So if you want to replace a part, the typical thing would then be in, in a train repair site to, uh, to actually pre-order or pre-book the part so that you're going to pick it up in the warehouse later. Um, another option is you order it from a manufacturer via your procurement, or maybe you just want to access documentation about the part. So you, you know, then you jump to documentation, for example. Yeah. That's the standard use case if you want. And what it does really for our users is it saves a lot of time. So I, you know, I come from a, a computer science background. And when we tapped into this whole topic, uh, as I mentioned with, with Bosch originally, um, we were surprised by the amount of time that is lost every day in such environments with the search for parts. Um, it's, uh, you know, again, because we have those numbers from Bosch and maybe it's interesting for the listeners here. Uh, so in such a facility, you know, you have a typical maintenance team between, depending on the size, between 50 and 100 people, like they work in shifts and everything. And uh, and they, they are well-trained you know, technicians, it's not not like they don't know what they're doing, as I said. And uh, but they um, but they spend on average. That's a statistic we have from the Bosch Group. They spend on average uh, 12 minutes per part search. So there is a you know, there's of course a plan. There are plenty of parts that you just know because you you use them every day, so you you don't have an issue with that. But there are plenty of other parts that you don't know because you don't use them every day, and and you start searching for them, and this takes, uh, you know, sometimes forever, like even up to days, because you need to phone someone, get back to a, to a vendor or some other service provider to figure out what the part really is to make sure you build in the right part. Again, you know, let's let's go to the to the train uh, system thing. Uh, when you're repairing the brake system of a train, you really want to make sure you use the right valve and not something, right? So even if you are if you're quite uh, well trained, you know you might want to double check and make sure that this is the right part. So that's where we save just a lot of time for the people on the shop floor, the the men and women repairing things. Of course, there's a great business case also because we're talking about well trained experts typically who are rare in the market and who could do other things than searching for parts. Yeah, that's the thing. So Steve, do you mind if I jump in there, Steve? Absolutely. No, so I, I got, and I'll, I'll throw James in here too, because um, I often say before I started this side of the business, I, I worked for a living um, and I was in, in manufacturing and I, I was just going to guess and I was going to ask James, because I know James is really involved on this. I, if I had to guess a number, it was higher than 12 minutes. So I think Bosch is doing great at 12 minutes. And obviously the impact of saving that 12 minutes is great. But my gosh, it's driving me back to 15, 20 years ago, um, finding parts. And, and that aspect of, well, what is it I'm looking for? What is this part to track it down to see if I have in the stock to go get it and go down that, that wormhole? Um, and I was curious, James, how much if, if, is 12 minutes like kind of a standard for when it comes to parts? Do you have any metrics from all the sites you've been? I don't, I don't know if I have a metric for individual part searches, but I know on average, you know, 17 to 20% of the technician's day is spent looking for parts or parts information. So, so say, 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 that, say that again, how much? 17 to 20% typically. Is looking so, for parts. 
Yeah, or part information, right? So you right. have two hours out of their eight-hour day. So, um, so I, I, I'm an electrician by trade, which I don't do it anymore, right? Early on in my career, I was an apprentice. And all through my apprenticeship, I never once learned how to find parts quickly. It wasn't in the apprenticeship program, right? So 20% of, of time is spent looking for parts where you, you don't learn how to look for parts better. Yeah, and, you know, that there's a lot of challenges with that. It could be the fact that the bill of materials were never set up in ERP or EAM. Um, you know, as Philip mentioned, it could have been the fact that there was changes made to those parts, right? So we had version one, now we have version two, or there's no identification on the part itself. So now we got to try and go through manuals and figure out what that part is then see if the part number matches. It's all it just compounds and compounds, which is why it takes up so much time. And then I was just looking up and, and for our listeners, if you go to uh, Partium, the, the, I'll spell it out for you. So P-A-R-T-I-U-M.io. And right on the webpage, and Philip, you were talking about this, is find parts up to 50 times faster. That's that's really the end goal of what you're trying to do, right? Is Is identify and find those parts quicker. Is that the intent, Philip? That's exactly it. So we are we are very much focused on this one topic. Um, and, uh, you know, when we get to, to maybe speaking about the technology a bit later, you'll see that we, 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 I think it's an advantage to be so much focused. So that's the only thing we do. We do that actually also for basically only for industrial environments. So uh, anything from production to um, obviously, uh, you know, like transportation maintenance and things like that. We have some customers in the in the DIY space. So, for example, Home Depot in the U.S. is a large customer of ours because it's kind of closed. Yeah, right. If you, when you're repairing something at home, uh, you might also want to look for the right part and, and things like that. So that that's what we do. But uh, that's our our main focus. And the 50 times faster comes somehow because you know you're you're basically bringing those you know whatever they are at the end of the day as i, I agree with you james and, and blair they it's it, the, the thing is that on average it, it's maybe 12 18 depends on the organization depends on the team on on, on seniority and, and whatever of course um but it's a it's a lot of time it happens quite often per day and we and we bring it down to the something around i would say 15 seconds on average so you you pull out your phone obviously you you know you're not you don't you're not running around repairing a ship with your phone in your hands right so you pull out your phone you uh, or whatever device you have by the way it doesn't have to be your private phone of course and and um and then you you just snap this picture do a couple of clicks and and that's it basically so it's down to 15 seconds something like that typically how many wrench time studies, Blair and James, have you guys been a part of where, you know, it's identified that spare part searching is probably is one of those major time losses. And like what we're looking at is, you know, that you said, I think 17% there, James, and this is finally a solution to help us cut down on that. Cause anytime you look at fixing your spare parts, I don't know how many times I've gone searching for something just called clamp. Um, or like it was a P-clip or something like that. It's just labeled clamp in the system, right? And to actually have a solution to start finding these a little better, I, I'm i super excited. Um, and- Well, I think it's, I don't, I think it's not just for the technicians when I start thinking about it, right? 
a lot of storerooms that I've worked with in the past, they have clerks that run the storeroom, but they're not mechanics or electricians or past mechanics, electricians. So they may not even know what it's called to look it up to begin with, even though they work in the store. So this not only enables the technician in the field to get that information, get the part number, that sort of thing. It may help the storeroom expedite the process at the, uh, at the counter, if you will, because now they can scan it real quick, figure out where it is, as opposed to having to start searching their own ERP, which they may not be experts in. And I think, I think for me is, is, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this statement, and James, you're going to shake your head at what I'm about to tell you <laughs> from maintenance reliability best practices is, so say that scenario I was out in the field and I needed a clamp and I wasn't sure exactly what clamp that was. I would get every possible clamp I could out of the storerooms, check it out, assign it to that work order. Just so I didn't have to go back, right? Because it was a hike to walk back. I'd bring it out in the field, use the one I was the right clamp. And guess where the other ones would go? They're going back, back in the spare. They're going in my toolbox, baby. <laughs> right? Never to be found again. Yep. And that's that's a real challenge, right? And it throws when we're trying to set min-max values and all those other things in our systems. We have the right amount of spares. When those that's things true. happen, it skews all of that too. <laughs> those Ruin things, the, the, Blair, the Blair effect happens. <laughs> <laughs> so what, so... You know, it's, it's been a while since I've uh, gone searching for parts, but what, what, James, in your experience, and then I think Philip can join in, he started to allude to, you know, that user experience of going and using your phone. Right now, in most, you know, scenarios, James, what is a typical spare parts process of identifying it, finding it, you know, those type of things? Like, what, what's a typical approach that's used now? Most organizations don't have bill of materials set up in their EAM, ERP. So it's usually the mechanic or electrician grabbing the part, seeing if they can identify a part number or some sort of identifier on it. Right. So, so they're looking for serial, they're looking for, they're going to classify it, say this is a clamp, this is a fitting, this is a valve, this is something. And then they try to find the identifier on it. Correct. Make, model, maybe. that type of stuff. Exactly. Now, maybe... 50, 60% of the time, they actually have an identifier on it. So then they can try searching in the ERP system. But to what Philip said earlier, how did they label it in the ERP system? How are they searching for it, right? If it's a bearing, as an example, is it actually typed as bearing in the ERP or is it abbreviated to BRG or is it misspelled? So then they spend all this time trying to sort through that. If there's no identifiers, then they take it to the storeroom, hand it to the storeroom clerk and say, do you have one of these? And then they spend 20, 30 minutes going through all the drawers <laughs> trying to find it. Right. I need one of these. <laughs> exactly. And then, so in, in Philip, in the, in the life of, of, you know, using technology to enable better spare, spare parts finding, what, what, what does that, and I know it can vary, but what would that process look like in that scenario where you've identified a failed part or a component you need to replace what's how's that workflow different yeah it's uh it's it's different and i'll come to why afterwards but but it's it's different in a way that you that you basically so you uh, you have this part in front of you as you said right and and then um you need to identify it and what we what we built in in terms of the user experience is a uh, 
is if you want, we call it a, a conversational search process. So you start by snapping a picture of the thing. Uh, what's going to happen is that uh, it's going to be uh, analyzed on one hand in terms of, you know, what kind of type of device that is and, and, and so, or, or component that can be. Um, but then there will be um, additional terms proposed to you. So there will be, you know, like exactly what James mentioned, like, uh, you know, it might be a bearing, but then it's or it's uh, maybe a gasket and then it's uh, um, it's saved as an O-ring in the database or something like that. So So you have those things, right? So the system is going to come back with additional, uh, you know, search terms, if you want, that you can use. This is also helpful, for example, if you have uh, team members who maybe are not, uh, who are not searching in their native language, right? We have that quite often with our customers that the database is in English or in German or whatever, but then, and then, you know, here comes the, the, I don't know, a French technician, and he struggles with that. So, you know, so some additional words are proposed, basically. You can then also add anything um, in a, we call it a semantic text search capability that's on to, uh, added to this visual search, basically. You can add additional terms like, where is that thing in the machine that you're looking at, for example. And of course, as James said, sometimes that's not super helpful because if you don't have a bill of material, that doesn't help you, but sometimes it does, right? And then, um, but apart from that, you can also describe uh, objects that are close to it and so on. And they, and uh, you basically through all these, if you want different angles, you can reduce or you can change the results list of your search. So imagine you have a, you're in front of your Google search and you're entering something, and but then you're constantly changing the, you know, the, what the input for the system. So this results list also changes and brings up new options and so on. So you will eventually find the part quite fast. Um, that's how it works. That's also important to understand because very often, I think it was mentioned by you, Blair, the, the parts can be completely destroyed, right? I mean, it's not like every part looks super shiny and, and, and great uh, after three years under a train, right? Um, so uh, here again, the, the visual search helps, but then you can add additional things and kind of identify even broken parts and things like that. So then the other thing we have included, and that's a pretty uh, new thing, um, is, and it's powerful, I think, um, is it, it, it's it's one it, once again one of the ideas of it came through our customers right with all this hey we this could be a good thing and you know so we built it in is something we call expert confirmation so you you go through your search process you you're down to maybe one or two parts you're not really sure if it's the clamp one or clamp two let's say right this can still happen right and uh, and then you can. Um, send this search, uh, your search basically to an expert. This could be someone, a more senior person on your team. This could be someone from a, you know, from a vendor or someone like that. Of course, it needs to be connected, but the idea is basically to be able to reach out to someone. And this expert can kind of complete your search and send you back the information. And the thing we achieve with that is one, you get your, your confirmation. And the second piece is the anything that the expert uh, enters into your search then flows back into the system too. And that kind of is saved. So the system learns what the experts know, basically. So uh, next time, you know, the, all this information is going to be provided to you upfront, basically. Yeah, that's, you know, I, <laughs> I'm so excited talking about this because um, I'm in, 
in mining, everything that we're anytime something fails in the field, it's covered with yeah, a good inch or two um, uh, of coal dust and dirt and mud. And so how it sounds like you've, you've come up with different ways to also kind of broaden that search from just that picture. Um, so how do we, you know, it's kind of bringing up my, my next question is how do we get to a point where we've got that minimum viable product or like, what's the effort required at the front end to get things set up um, so that we can actually start getting value from, from your program? Yeah. Okay. So it's, um, so the the important thing I think to understand is the following. Um, whenever you know, I think it was mentioned also. There is there is in especially in industrial environments, unlike in in e-commerce when you sell I don't know fashion stuff or so, you don't have great data, right? So you you have your you know maybe a, a short description of the part. That's it. It was entered by someone in, I don't know, procurement or so, or by a vendor who doesn't want you to know too much about that part because they want to make sure that you you buy the next part also from him and so on. So there's all kinds of problems why the data is not great in industrial environments. The second piece is um, you have, uh, you know, when we talk about visual search normally, and, and we had to overcome that issue actually or problem in the beginning, um, you know, the, every most of the visual search approaches are based on some kind of training data. Like you need to have images of your parts. Now, I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen too many industrial customers having a lot of images of their parts. To be honest, most of them have nothing, right? And why should they have it? Because it's not like you know, it's nice, but it's not like you're not selling the parts, right? You, so you're not you're not in that mode. So you don't have that. So um, so what we uh, built. Is a is a technology that basically takes this typically, I would say we call you know we call it master data, so relatively weak master data that typically exists out there, and we enhance it substantially in two ways. We we add synonyms. We we have uh, you know we we add um, additional layers of information around the parts. So as you can imagine, many many machine systems are built of standard parts. So you can. We have data about standard industrial parts and things like that. And the other thing we built is a is a visual search or visual recognition capability that doesn't just compare images if you want. So like where you need the training images, but that goes deeper and tries to understand what that part is. Like a, if you want like a good uh, a mechanical engineer, even if he even if he you know he knows what a valve looks like. So if, if you show him a list, a, a bill of material, and it says valve X Y Z, if he sees that valve, even if he has never seen that exact valve before, he will know yeah that that's probably that valve, right? So we have a we have built that system that has a if you want understanding technical understanding, and we match that uh, the, this enhanced if you want data and the the, the capability to uh, extract if you want technical attributes from objects in pictures and coming back to your question now steve what does that bring us it it allows us to um to work with the whatever master data the customer has so you don't need to do this huge data i don't know uh, in, uh, enhancement project up front you basically uh, connect your database or you you export your data into podium 
and then and and whatever you have is good. So if you have more data, that's fantastic. But if you if you only have limited data, that's fine too. And then you start using Podium, and there two things happen. One, the search results will be good, so your users will always get to a you know final you know um, result. Um, and uh, the second piece that happens is with every search. Your uh, the system is you get additional training data, right? So you get data that you can use again to teach the system more about certain components, and that's uh, how it gets also better over time. Then, yeah, um, you're using that AI, and it's just um, it's learned from that ma master data, and it's pulled in any in images that you're you're able to take, or and I imagine as part of the engagement with the, with those customers is that they start taking pictures as they um as they pull more parts and you know that database it's constantly learning and it's going to get get better and better as you use it for identifying parts hey that's correct it 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 does two things right or i would say two two things happen one is um obviously with every part you you search for or the user searches for what do you get you get an additional picture plus some other content so you know maybe he typed in a, an additional information that is on the part or something whatever right and so all of that flows back into the system and the system learns more about those parts and how you know what kind of questions and, and so on to ask the other thing coming back to this expert uh, confirmation thing it's not something you need to do but I, I believe it's a it's a pretty smart thing is is basically you can you know, whenever you uh, you need uh, help or something like that, this information also flows back into the system, basically, and is not lost. Because what happens today in, in many environments that we see is, of course, there is the senior guy or the this uh, great guy from your vendor who, who will know the part, right? So you, you, you call him, you send him a, a WhatsApp message, whatever, and he's going to reply. The problem is that this information is, I mean, that's great at in the moment but the but the knowledge is not it's lost basically again so next time you as an organization have the same issue again i mean maybe not you personally because you might remember but your organization has the same issue and and by having this interaction actually flowing back uh, you know like logged if you want and flowing back into the into the ai this knowledge starts to build up and and that i think is a very powerful thing yeah Vendor must enjoy that not getting that same question over and over and over of what is the what is this same part? <laughs> <laughs> All the young people that enter yeah. a, a vendor company like my like ourselves, so that's what you're typically doing is answering those same questions over and over again, right? That's I think that you know we we have obviously the other side of our business is. Uh, we have customers who are OEMs or independent uh, spare part vendors and, and companies like that. And, and they um, they spend, they also spend a lot of time searching for parts because they get this picture from, you know, their customer in, it's a great customer, happens to be in Peru, so doesn't speak English. And he just sends over this picture in the database there, you know, like it's super hard to find that part. They, they spend hours figuring that out. So also their after sales teams are blocked by this process and, and Podium helps there. Yeah. I, I would, I would love to get a little bit deeper in the, into the tech side of things if we can fill up and you can, you, you can <laughs> keep, keep my head above water here. Cause I'll go down a wormhole and, and James, feel free <laughs> to jump in. So what, what I'm picturing and, and I, I'm just, 
you know, as you're talking, I'm going through your website and the first image you have on there is a, a pneumatic muffler or silencer, right? On typical pneumatic systems. Mm -hmm. Very, very common. So say I have a company, I'm a small manufacturer, I'm, I'm, I'm in, you know, maintenance team and we're making something and I want to use um, Partium as, as a platform to enhance my, my uh, ability to find these spare parts. So I take my master data, what I have, and I, and I upload it. My first question is, like, I think you're correct, is most pitchers, and I'll say we collectively from in maintenance and reliability, who is our audience, the pitchers we have are forensic. They're like, look what happened to this. It's bent, it's broken, yeah. smashed, right? We don't take pictures of good things. They're always like, whoa, what the heck happened to this, right? Or look how this person did it wrong, right? So we don't have good pictures. We are, they're always bad pictures. So say I have that silencer, that pneumatic muffler. Do you have a database already existing of these parts that you're building up over time as people upload them saying, hey, this is this component. This is, you know, this manufacturer to, to give me legwork or do I have to start by saying, you know, this is the silencer, this is the make model and then give it a picture so it can then know what it is in the future. So we, it's a, it's a mix, I would say. So we have, uh, we have um, knowledge about parts. Um, the most important element is to, because at the end of the day, what we, what we are not trying to build and, and, and we're not getting into that business either is, uh, is to build this universal thing that knows all the parts in the world, right? Like uh, by automatically, and then we start to. That's uh, apart from it being a pretty, uh, I don't want to say unrealistic, but like rough target. Um, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's something that would also then start to create, a, you know. Or it's not solving the the problem of of your company. Your company is interested in in identifying exactly the parts you have, basically, right? And and that's it. And um, so what we have at the core of our uh, of our technology is a is a, a very enhanced uh, AI system that generally uh, knows. Um, uh, all kinds of technical components very well, right? So, like, a if you want to a certain extent a universal engineer, um, it it is um, this thing is trained with additional parts information all the time. So we also we you know obviously we we gather data from from uh, for example standard parts vendors and and things like that, and we introduce that to the system. So that's the one part. The second part we do is. Um, is this data enhancement. So the enhancement of your master data, right? So imagine like, uh, I think Blair, uh, James mentioned it, like this, uh, you know, the uh, the bearing just being uh, a BRG in the in the database because someone was lazy, right? And, uh, and so we have uh, here again, also AI based, uh, but also other technologies. AI is just a, a tech component, right? Um, we have a system that enhances this data dramatically. And, and it, you can imagine once you enhance uh, your master data, search becomes easier. So, because you, you can enter different, at the end of the day, even if you only do text search, can enter different words, words you still end up with the right uh, result. And that's, that's also what we do. So we combine those two things, basically. That's, that's the key uh, part here, yeah. Okay, so 
your technology not only uses the visual component to identify that part, but then we can use, once that expert confirmation has been completed, use the information from your system to go update our master data. So descriptions, uh, attributes, those types of things, correct? Yes. That's that's absolutely correct. Uh, you can what customers do with it is also uh, because you mentioned the thing about the, not having a bill of material, right? That that's so often the case, right? And and so with that you can start to actually build up a bill of a bill of material, or identify that your bill of material is wrong because that that's the second thing. I know I don't you know we really have, I mean great. The, our customers are great companies. They build incredible things. They're super sophisticated and everything. But um, it's sometimes um, surprising how this whole thing works because the data is so bad. And uh, so the so so um, and and that sometimes is due to the fact also that you know someone repaired something. He the, the, that part wasn't there. We didn't find the right part, so he took he took another one. So you know, suddenly you have this, uh, or there's an external maintenance technician who came in, who changed the part. Nobody locked it in your uh, system, and so on. So you you end up having a, as I said, some I would say weak data basically, and you can now start to get uh, that in order. Not everything, because uh, it's always uh, a it it takes a, a lot of time and it's usually not super necessary to to update everything in your database like the 2 million parts you have because some of them you won't need but every time you touch a part or someone in your organization touches a part you can actually update your system again you know i think when i see the the features i i you have the the visual aspect of it so taking a picture it's going to identify okay this is a silencer for a pneumatic system say the the labels the all the information is on the backside. You can't get a picture of it, which which happens like there's no such thing as a good a good angle in our industry, right? Um, and then I think that's where the that powerful text feature comes in, because you still need to know is this a quarter inch, half inch, one inch silencer, right? Because unless you put a banana for scale, obviously I'm making a joke there, but right, you, you, it's not going to recognize, it, it, right? And that's where you still need the text aspect of it to. To be able to look, assuming you don't have a bill of materials, of course, right? But yeah, you're absolutely right, Blair. I mean, you know, let me let me. Uh, you can't see it on the the listeners can't see it, but I have gray hair, right? And and this comes from the fact that we originally approached the problem by just doing visual recognition. Okay, so we you know we came from that side, so you know you're always close to what you know, so you you start. And it worked kind of okay, but of course we ran into all the problems you mentioned, like bad angle broken parts, burn parts, whatever, the, all, the, all the things you can imagine. Actually, parts that are built in that you cannot see. So you you, you might, you know, that's an, you don't want to unmount the whole thing to just, you know, before ordering the spare, like you want to check if the spare part is available before you unmount, you know, this kind of story. And uh, and then, so we we, we kind of, uh, you know, we, there, we basically ran into a, a wall that I would say is uh, is a physical limits wall. Even if you have a perfect picture of a perfect object, if there are three objects that look exactly the same from the outside, uh, valves are a good example for you know what kind of pressure can they handle and, and things like that. They might look the same from the outside. Um, you you you're done with visual recognition at the end of the day. You get close. 
but then it's over. And and so you need this additional layer of um, of information. And there, our system does two things. You can enter additional text, and this is always combined. So the combination of the two, we call it fusion, is, is important. The other thing is the system is going to ask you, um, it's going to throw at you some, you know, by the user interface only. So don't worry, uh, a, a few additional, you know, if you want, uh, we call them tags. Like if you want questions, what kind of, you know, is it is a, uh, I don't know if, if it's a resistor, it's, you know, what kind of ohm, how much, how many ohms do you have and, and things like that. And that, that is something you can then choose and then you're there, right? So there is a limit to visual recognition. It's super helpful, especially again in environments, not just fast, but it's also good for either the issue that, that you don't know the, the, the exact name because you would call it differently than what the person called it who entered it into the system, or you have to search in, in a language that is your, not your native language, which is a, a, a problem that comes with globalization. Right. I love the fact that you're asking the guided questions to get to the to get to the part, right? And I, I'm thinking from our side, we're a vendor, so we supply sensors and things like that. And oftentimes I'll have a, a customer call and say, hey, I want to order another one of these or I want to put another one on. And I, I have to guide them through questions. Okay, what is it stainless or is it a plastic? And I'm starting to narrow down the part, right? I'm like, does it have like a two inch gap with a little threaded rod on it, right? And I'm asking them very specific questions so I can identify, obviously they can't get to the piece of equipment to read the tag. So I'm going through my knowledge, right? To get to what that end part actually is. And I think that what you're saying is you've automated that. So when I give you this valve, right? Is it, you know, on a high pressure, like I'm making these questions up, but you're trying to get to that root cause of that part to narrow it down further. Exactly. We do two things. We, on one hand, we we ask those questions, and then if you, if you know, there's always the there's always this one part where, the, for whatever reason, either the user is unsure if it's the right one, right? So it can be that the system's wrong. That can happen. There's this one percent thing, of course, where you need to double check or so. And then uh, there is uh, the other thing is okay. It's the first time I'm repairing this brake system of this train. I don't want to mess up. I want to make sure, you know, I, even if let's say podium is right, but but I, I'm a human and I know I can get fired if I, you know, or even worse. Uh, so so I I want to make sure. So I reach out to someone else. And th th those questions that that you asked here, that you mentioned, right? They they are the questions that um, that we then also bring into the system. So those questions are then every you know they they become more and more available to the, with different types of parts basically, and so it's a way to also get the to to get to to kind of really keep the knowledge for the organization, and that's a good thing in my opinion because uh, I just. Um, so I was at a, at a customer, I'm currently in, in Vienna, Austria, and, and I was a customer this morning who is, um, it's a local railroad company, right? And they uh, they have, within the next three, four years in their maintenance area, they have 27% of their staff retiring. And guess what happens to the know-how there? I mean, it's it's going away and the new guys are great but they don't they didn't repair those trains for 20 years right it's just different that's actually a good point because i was thinking of that process of of that classification the first step is the visual and you're answering the question 
what is this, right? Um, generally, to put it, they, this is right. And I don't know how many times I've taken a part back to the shop and gone to, at the time when I was just learning and new into the field, and I'd hold it up and I'd go to the, you know, my senior and go, what the heck is this, <laughs> right? Like, where do I even find another one of those things, right? And they would they would know because they replaced it a hundred times. Like, oh, that's the da, 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 right. Make sure you get this and not that when you go to the parks. I'm like, ah, okay, right. So there is a big knowledge uh, tribal knowledge part of that as well that you seem to be capturing in this in this platform. Yeah, and you think about it too. And it was mentioned earlier. Like I've taken parts to the the warehouse, the wicket, the desk there and said, I need more of these. And <laughs> they look at me, they're like, this is my, this is my first week. I have no idea what this is. Um, so you try to work through where it might be some things that are similar. Let's go wander the warehouse for half an hour, see if we can find it. And like, this is, you know, when you think of like the level of skill you need to within those, those parts, people, because that is often a first stop for somebody that's new to an industrial organization is you go to the warehouse, you work the wicket, you go get parts. Like that's a, that's a fairly often a low skilled job and not that person that has those years of experience. And then they're put on under pressure with the mechanics coming and looking for the, these parts. Like they need to be experts in how the warehouse runs and, you know, understanding where to go to get the things, but not, not what they are. Right. So it's, it's kind of bringing it back to like, let's let the people be good at what they're good at. Your mechanic doesn't have to be great at searching through parts books and stuff like that. We can get them on the tools longer. Your warehouse people, again, don't have to be good at identifying the, these parts. They just got to be able to effectively go get them and, and deliver them uh, and follow those processes. And it just tightens that whole process up from this thing breaking or being identified as needing replacement and getting that part to where it needs to be like that whole process is is much more streamlined once this is in place and um like i i've been to a, a lot of different mines and different industrial organizations and that's always one of the top things is i spend a lot of time looking for parts and you know i look at this and i'm like okay well here's our solution like what do you need to do to get this this um get this into your facility and get this get this in service to start making those everybody's life better uh, for those part searches. Now, one thing I do want to ask, uh, we're running a little bit short on time, but um, I do want to ask kind of what some of the exciting things that you're working on, the, the future work, how are you guys improving your product and, and your, your service there um, as you're learning more and more about the different challenges that are happening in the, in your customers' facilities? So, yeah. Um, so in terms of the, I would say our hottest, uh, our hottest topics, I, I I would say there are there are two things that that are pretty substantial. One is, as I said, we um, we have developed this technology where at the end of the day you can do visual search of parts based just on text data. So, you know, you have master data that is a pure Excel sheet or whatever it is in your database without images, and you um, you can suddenly search visually. That That is very new, and we are extending this capability with exactly what Blair referenced to with addition, you know, getting more 
parts information into the system so that anything that you know is that that you know in a that, that any kind of standard part in a segment in a certain like mining or or uh, if you want trucks or whatever the the segment is is already available in that system basically so that makes the life for our customers easier it makes the, the whole experience better everything is is faster and so on um, the second thing we are working on, I mentioned a couple of times now, this, this ex, what we call expert confirmation thing. This to me is very powerful. I said we are just in the beginning because we, we built it based on, um, we, we, we interact a lot with our customers, obviously, and, and they said, look, this is actually, you know, good because you, even if your system is perfect, there is the human factor that you might not be sure as a as a human and you want to double check with someone so so we built this and there's a whole world opening up now because at the end of the day what you can do is you can start to help your experts be they internal or also on the vendor side or so to actually become uh, free up their time suddenly because they can answer the questions much faster imagine you uh, what blair said about those questions like is it uh, you know this or that is there this little knob on the top or not whatever this this kind of thing those questions, the system learns them, and they can be suggested by the system to the expert. That's like our next step. And then um, at the end of the day, more and more you can basically have this have the system ask those questions automatically uh, to the end user by learning, obviously. And that's a big thing. We we compare it to the to the self driving car. So. Um, you know, now, you know, like today you, you have a system, it's going to tell you what part it is, but if you need to ask the expert, the expert needs to get in a real chat with you. Right. And if we can, the more we can bring the system to actually automate the expert, uh, the, the more powerful this becomes, not because the expert is going to go away or lose his job. That's not the point at all. The, the point is that the expert doesn't have to spend time with me or you, um, you know, figuring out what kind of part this is and can instead take care of more interesting things in the company and more important things. And that's, so we want to come to a point where, where um, more and more of those expert questions are automatically suggested by the system. And we think that uh, we can achieve that. Uh, we can get, we won't get to a completely automated thing uh, this year, but we're moving pretty fast in that because with every, you know, customer with every uh, system, with every question, actually, the system learns. And that's uh, that's what, uh, so we think that by the end of this year, we'll have a system that will basically um, suggest um, most of the questions automatically to the expert, and they will only have to choose which one to, to you know, to ask basically to the user. And as, as you can imagine, each one of those clicks makes the system again learn about what was the right suggestion and things like that. So that's where we want to go with that. Yeah. Oh, that's super interesting. Interesting, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, seeing that develop more and more. And and hopefully next time we we talk talk to you, we've we've got some more in that space to talk about as well. Um, now, before we end the podcast, um, I I do want to announce that we've got an upcoming webinar. Um, with party i'm going to be hosted on their platform and so we're gonna it's going to add a different element than the podcast because we're going to have that visual ability to look at things visually and really see how that how your solution works so i'm really excited for that and so you can and 
on LinkedIn and in the podcast description, you can find the information to um, get to that webinar. And that's going to be in, um, I believe, the first week of February. We've got that scheduled. Um, maybe the second week. I'll, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll February get that. 16th. February 16th. There we go. Oh man, we're halfway through. So by that point, so, um, um, we'll watch out for, for that. And, um, now before we close out, I want to give you Philip and you, James, the opportunity, uh, to tell us about any upcoming speaking sessions you've got or any organizations that you want to shout out to. Um, and so we'll, we'll start with you first there, James. All right. So for those that haven't had the opportunity, you know, make sure to check out the Rooted in Reliability podcast. You know, Blair and Stephen, I believe you both have been on it at least once or twice. Uh, so be sure to check that out. Aside from that, um, in terms of upcoming speaking, planning on tr trying to attend PMAC up here in Canada this year. Um, and that's it at the current moment based on uh, travel restrictions and all those other wonderful things we're dealing with right now. I was looking forward to getting out of my house, but it seems like I'm uh, hunkering down a bit again. So um, hopefully I'll, I'll get out to PMAC and, and see you out there. Uh, how about you, Philip? What do you've got going on there? Yeah, we 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 obviously have uh, the the same pandemic that James is mentioning, but uh, but otherwise we have. But apart from that, so we have obviously. Thank you, Steve, for mentioning the webinar. That it's going to be, I think, an interesting thing to see the, the thing. And and I hope that uh, some of the listeners here will join just to ask questions. Also, we're we're really interested uh, in that. Um, apart from that. We have a we have a blog uh, on for for anybody who's interested on our website, and in this blog we have um, you know we're covering a couple of interesting uh, topics, and they are you know it's it's I think it's worth reading. Apart from that, we attend all kinds of uh, trade show events if they happen to happen, um, and and uh, so uh, so that's that's that. But you can also find that on our website always. Excellent. And I'll put your website and your contact information there um, in the podcast description and as well as be linked in all of our LinkedIn posts. And, and same goes for you as well there, James. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for joining us today. Um, really good uh, discussion. I'm really excited to, to learn even more about Partium. And you guys can check it out at partium.io.